There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello. You're listening to BFN. This is the podcast about infertility, IVF, and the trials of trying for a baby. I'm Gabby. And I'm Emma. And we're both card-carrying members of the Infertility Club. Um, yeah, I mean, you would think after all this time that you'd be better at it. No, not um, good. But it's, you know, it's a mouthful. It's an absolute mouthful. It's a mouthful. Another thing that sucks about infertility, <laughs> saying it. <laughs> it's too much. It's a bridge too far. That's the <laughs> straw that broke the camel's back. <laughs> Couldn't fucking say it properly. <sighs> um, welcome to the episode, everyone. Hey, how are you? How are you all? No, I can't say anything. Do you need to go to bed? Yeah, okay. I'm so tired. I spent ten. Actually, I'll complain about this later. But I spent a long time in the car yesterday. Yeah, that didn't sound like much fun. Uh, no. Anyway, um, how are you, Gabriella? Yes, very good. Very good. Um, you've been all over the press this week. I've been plastered all over the press. (laughs) like Jordan in the early 2000s just like her yeah very very similar um without the tits do you like how current my cultural references are yes very good very good (laughs) um but uh yes we're going to talk about a little bit about my um some of the things I've been writing this week yeah uh aren't we in a minute yeah we are but yes I'm 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 void on like infamy and fame and just like (laughs) you know I enjoyed seeing your lovely face. <laughs> Thanks, all over the place. <laughs> my lovely face is due to come out quite soon. Yes, indeed. But your lovely face. I this really week enjoyed. was my lovely face. Also, we're going to talk about one of your articles in a bit, but the other one, you in the Huff Post, mm. um, LinkedIn is on fire with that mm. article. LinkedIn is the heartland for that one because it's about work, isn't it? It is, yeah. LinkedIn has surprised me with how much I use it these days. I go on it a lot. Do you like it? I hate LinkedIn. I really, I, I don't know how good it would be to be like a LinkedIn person. Do you know what I mean? To be good at it. I think like it is a very strong word, but I think it's good for work. It is good for and work. And then I'd say can't. my balance of like social media usage is probably tipped off Facebook onto LinkedIn. Wow. Mm-hmm. 
but still like mostly what twitter yeah and instagram yeah and insta yeah Yeah. well there you go that's interesting what do you guys think about linkedin let (laughs) us know um (laughs) i did some linkedin journalism the other day and found a really good source through it and so oh well there you go yeah what can't it do (laughs) um this is not sponsored by linkedin this is not but again as usual uh if linkedin wants to sponsor us then that's absolutely fine get in touch (laughs) with our people because we have a huge team of people of course who we do uh, you know massive massive team it's gabby and i doing funny voices it's me Hello. <laughs> Hello. I'm Gabby and Emma's ad manager. Um, yes, indeed. Right, shall we? Um, yeah. Who are we talking to today, Emma? We're talking to Toby Trice, Gabby. Oh, the lovely Toby Trice. Yeah, he yeah. is um, a racing driver. He is. And a train driver. A train driver also, that's true. Yeah. Train driver by day, race driver by night. I love that. Yeah. Isn't it mysterious? And um, yeah, he's got a very interesting fertility story. Yeah, it is actually because when we like we kind of take turns um, researching questions for these interviews. And so quite often I'll kind of hear the story afresh. Like I've mm. never heard. I don't know what the story is. And that this was one of those ones. And I like it blew my mind. Yeah. It actually blew my mind. Yeah, it is. It's a really good story. He, I basically found him because he hosts a um, male fertility kind of get together group um, for Fertility Network UK, but now is associated with Rod Gilbert's Him Fertility. Um, I yeah. don't know whether it's like a like an um, aggressive takeover or I'm not sure, <laughs> but um, but the. <laughs> Anyway, him and uh, Rod Gilbert and Ian Stones, who is another guy who I've actually spoken to before um, on Insta about male fertility. Mm -hmm. Um, They host these amazing um, kind of informal chats for guys. And um, so, yeah, that's how I found him. And yeah, he's um, he's amazing. Yeah, he's amazing. And just a nice guy as well. Really Really nice guy. Yeah, thoroughly nice people. Thoroughly nice guy. And also just so nice to talk to a man. Yeah, we haven't had many of those this we season, had have we? Any this season? season, really? Series. Yeah, You're not American. Sorry, darling. Sorry. No. Um, um, no, we haven't. We really haven't. It's nice to get that side of things. Um, yeah, it was just a lovely chat, wasn't it? it and was... also, I got to tell my I drove round Silverstone story. Which... Oh yeah, here we go. Johnny I'll post Big a Balls. Picture. I'll post a picture of the car that I drove, and also, <laughs> so sorry to be a bit like that person, but the guy who was teaching me. He was so hot. Oh my god, Emma. <laughs> well, we can all just close our eyes and try to imagine what he looked like. Um No, I'll post it. I'll post it. You, is he in the picture too? Yeah. Oh well I look forward to that then. We all do. Yeah. Great. Um, and yeah, and uh that's it for today, really, isn't it? It is. Um if you would like to order our book. You can get it on amazon or bookshop.org or mm-hmm. waterstones yeah or waterstones 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 <laughs> waterstones, waterstones. <laughs> um, or any good bookshop because apparently there's 2800 copies out there in the wild oh, wow we need to go find every single one of them and take selfies with them <laughs> yeah we do <laughs> um yeah so they're, they're kicking about yeah um or you can follow us on Instagram at Big Fat Negative, 
or you can follow us on Twitter at Big Fat Negative, or you can. Um, I was going to say, give us a ring. You can email us. <laughs> give us a ring. Here's Emma's phone number. Uh, <laughs> five, 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 five. You can email us. Uh, you can email us. Oh, sorry. <clears throat> at uh, bigfatnegativepodcast at gmail.com. Please enjoy the episode and also the fact that we've only mentioned our book for once during the entire wow. intro. It's remarkable. Hello again. Hello again. How are That's you? so long. Doing since we've been away, lots, lots, mainly discussing how professional we are. Um, yes, I was looking at an pa- empty packet of Twiglets on my desk oh, and remembering the horrible decision I made this afternoon, which was to make myself a, a coffee mm. of the latte description mm-hmm. and grab a pack of Twiglets and try to consume them at the same time. Which I'm no. telling you now does not work. It's too much that umami in the Twiglets. It's not good. It's not a good flavour combination. And that's a real shame because Twiglets are actually one of the best snacks out there. Twiglets are champions, man. Yeah, and they're quite whole wheat. Are they quite whole wheat? They are quite whole wheat, yeah. Like, in a way, quite healthy. High in fibre, according to the packet. Well, there you go. There you go, guys. Regular. Ah. Live Twiglet reading. 80% whole grain, high in fibre, baked, not fried. Well, I mean, come go. on. It's basically like eating cereal. But with Marmite, it's like the two, like when I was a kid, I used to have two courses of breakfast. I used to have toast, then, no, wait, cereal, then toast. Oh, yeah. So that's like the two courses in one. Basically, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it's massive digression. Sorry, guys. Um, How are you? Well, as I was saying, not six minutes ago, um, I spent the whole of yesterday in the car oh. and I'm just frazzled. Like my yeah. brain is fried. It's not working. I'm and sorry, I... who was driving? Uh not me. Oh. John John drove the whole way. And you just sat there. I just like, sat there like a princess. Like a princess being chauffeured around. Yeah, I did. Um and like but still exhausted. But still very boring and exhausted. Yeah, I my husband boring. doesn't drive, so I'm just a bit jealous of the uh, the mere concept of sitting and being driven around. Yeah, he's got a driving test coming up soon, surely. Yeah, hopefully he's passed his theory test. Wee, doot, Yay, doot. well done, Mr. Gabby. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's funny. It's just funny what it does to you. Like it just makes you feel weird. Yeah. Anyway, well, it's just ex- it is exhausting. You're right. Even though you're not doing anything, it's exhausting. Yeah, but you did that, loads of stops on the way, right? Well, I had to stop to interview someone. <laughs> Pull over at the side of the road. <laughs> I had to stop in Bolton to interview someone, um, and then I had to stop in. Well, we stopped somewhere. Mm, I can't really remember where, but it was a. John doesn't like. He doesn't really like to stop at motorway services. He likes what? to stop at like a cute little restaurant or a cute little pub. Huh. Or somewhere like somewhere local. And so we stopped at a kind of farm shop come cafe. Oh. And had food that wasn't that great, to be honest. Like sometimes he absolutely smashes it. Like, do you remember when we went on holiday and went to the Beckford Arms? Mm, yeah, yeah, Which yeah, is yeah, I do. Like probably one of the best places in the world. Um, but then there's also sometimes we end up at a random farm shop. 
I mean, this is quite great. I love this. I mean, I know John is a is a good planner of holidays, so this yeah. does slip into his wheelhouse, doesn't it? Um, yeah. He's always, he knows a good pub. This is his two wheelhouses, which is holiday planning and food. Yeah, okay, yeah. He will not accept substandard food. Actually, no, that's true. He, that's not true. He will accept substandard food. He will not accept um, chain food. <laughs> right. God, I love a good chain sometimes. So do I. Can't like, beat it. Do you know what I really miss? I've been to for years, and I think they might have all closed down. Is coat brasserie? Oh no, they're still around. Are they? Yeah, fear not. They're oh, still around. Great, yeah. because you get a steak and chips for like ten quid, mm-hmm. and it's just great, and it's so reliable. Yeah. Whereas you know, you go, you fetch up a random farm shop. <laughs> it might not be good. I love a Oaxaca or a Wagamama. Oh, yeah. Two of my favourites. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, anyway, again, what are we doing? <laughs> Talking about food. It's yeah, not a food podcast. Right, so we, we're kind of theming this podcast, aren't we, a little bit? We are kind of, yeah. I suppose this this... We kind of sometimes talk about topical infertility subjects in this section. We do. And, um, but today I had a piece come out in the, the Telegraph, so I wanted to kind of mull that over a little bit. Yeah. Um. Because it's kind of also linked to the chat with Toby. It is very linked. Yeah, because I was writing about male factor infertility mm-hmm. and how basically it's not really treated, and that because of because IVF is is offered when there's male factor, it means that the the problem itself isn't ever solved. Yeah, which I think you know is. It's really interesting when you think about it like that, because obviously, especially, well, for me, the route that the NHS sent us down was was beneficial. It worked. Yeah. But, but that's not always the case. And it's it's just kind of, you know, we were talking to Jonathan Ramsey and he obviously is big on the kind of like, why are we not treating these men? Yeah. Why are we not investigating? This is wrong. It's just very interesting. It is very interesting. And it's, it's you know, it's this thing of like women having to basically take the flack for something that's wrong with men. And obviously it's not the men's fault. No. But um, it's very, I mean, it's very hard. And it's hard on relationships, right? It is hard on relationships. Um, but, you know, one of the things I wrote was that like, look, I'm not upset with my husband that I had to go through IVF and I'm not upset with the doctors for suggesting we do it but Mm. it does strike us as kind of weird that my husband has a problem and I have to have all of the procedures yeah in order for us to have a kid really odd like I don't know so it has been called misogynistic by some people hasn't it but I'm not sure I guess it kind of is it's also it's also like whatever the male version of that is because it's just men being ignored yeah, I don't think it is misogyny because, yeah, the guys don't get treated. And I suppose you could say, well, the guys don't get treated because, it, you know, people don't like to admit that the guys are the problem. Mm. But that's, I think that's probably beyond that now. Mm. Um, but, yeah, and I think it's it's hard one to talk about because, you know, as I've said, like, I have so much respect for the world of IVF and the science that's behind it and the things that it, and the things that it does for, for couples. Mm. But... It's at sometimes potentially at the expense of 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 the guys kind of solving their their issues. 
I think I thought this um, stat from your piece was really interesting. So you said male factor infertility is the most common reason for couples in the UK to have IVF, mm-hmm. mental. So 37% of cases, female partner issues are broken down into subsections. And for 32% of cases, the cause is unexplained. So that's kind of a third, a third, a third. Yeah, but it's it's kind of the reason I think that, that male factor comes out on top is because... I suppose it is a third, 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 isn't it? Yeah, but it, it is male factor on top. Mm. Yeah, I'm coughing. Yeah, okay. For fuck's sake, my husband's got, got COVID. Or well, he had COVID. He's still coughing as lots hey, how, how is the COVID? Um, yeah, fine. I, I'm i clear now. I'm in the clear. I think oh, my well. husband's still faintly positive. Is um, he? Mm. Um, I, I haven't got it. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Continue to not get it, which means you're are you now a bona fide superstar mm. that doesn't get COVID? I think I might be. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I do have a cold. <laughs> I've been felled by a cold. It's a funny one, though, isn't it? I, I don't want to veer into, well, maybe we should veer into COVID, but like yeah. a friend of mine, her partner has it confirmed, having hung out with us as well. Right. So we, they were kind of on the hunt. They were like, oh shit, we better test because we're hanging out with us. Mm-hmm. But she, and she was also ill, mm-hmm. but has not tested at any point positive. That's mental. Mad. Yes, it is mad. Um, it's, a, it's an unknowable disease. It is an unknowable disease. What's going to happen next? Who knows? Anyway, back to infertility. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that's pretty much it, really. I think, um, yeah, it's it's bizarre old bizarre old situation mm-hmm. and um also i found it quite interesting when i looked at the comments under the piece there's oh, so many comments shit so i think you have done that classic thing where you focus in on the bad ones um yeah i think there's some actually quite p- positive ones in there someone said it was incomprehensible how badly written it was <laughs> just, just going past <laughs> that one don't want to say it someone else said oh you could adopt yeah there's always one. There's always Fuck one. You. It's people sharing their experiences. We need to start a conversation. That's good. That is good. Largely. Um, so yeah, I suppose that's and it does lead us on very nicely to our chat with Toby. Take it away, Toby. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. 
Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. How are you? Very, very good. Thanks for having me on. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for for finding time for us. You're an incredibly busy man. It's been busy, but no, I feel really privileged for for welcoming on the the show. I really really appreciate it. Thank you. (laughs) Um, So we start the the podcast every episode by asking people to tell us about their journey. Wow. It's been a tough one. (laughs) It must have been. Seven years um, to this month, January um, 2022, we started our journey. Um, it's been a ride. I'm not going to lie. It's been a ride. We spent the first five years of our fertility journey, um, with all the focus and, you know, inverted commas blame on my partner, um, with mm-hmm. polycystic ovaries and kind of searching for, you know, why can't we conceive, mm-hmm. um, two rounds of IVF later that was NHS funded, um, unable to afford much more. And then we spent a year out in 2019, um, just kind of finding ourselves again, cause we kind of lost ourselves and, you know, our relationship was, you know, not in turmoil, but it, we just needed to you know, Katie and Toby back. We needed some fun back yeah. in life. Um, Takes its toll, man. Absolutely, yeah. And then we, um, we kind of, I did some, um, some bits and pieces around motorsport, which I'm sure we'll get into in a little while. Um, mm. But that kind of led me on a path of being an ambassador with Fertility Network UK, which I'm so so proud to be part of. Um, I then met um, some amazing urologists in London. Um, got talking to various people in the in the male fertility space. And it turned out after five years, actually, it was me that was the problem. I was the person that was infertile, technically. Um, it took five and, years to realise that. Yeah, yeah. So um, I had a test done um, about five and a half years into our fertility journey, which was Fuck. to look at the DNA fragmentation of my sperm. Oh, yeah. um, that old chestnut. Yeah. And the screening process up to that point, you know, no one ever mentioned anything more than just a basic semen analysis for me so um why would I question it I don't know I'm not a professional I'm just some layman that's going through this you know hoping to have a child at the end of it and I met um Jonathan Ramsey um really well-regarded urologist absolute legend we love we love Jay Rams yeah he's a good guy right um yeah and he mentioned to me um about having a DNA fragmentation test done um and an ultrasound um Mm. of which I had both um and it came back and concluded that I had a very very high level of DNA fragmentation Essentially, I was infertile on paper um, right. and I had a varicocele. Um, the varicocele right. was causing the, the problem and he suggested for me to go and have surgery to have that um, sorted out. So a bit of plumbing on my, on my blood. Um, and I went to uh, a guy called Stephen Moser, who's the surgeon that, that worked for me in November 2020 now. Um, mm. And with the hope that that would improve the DNA fragmentation and then hopefully we'll have a better chance of um, another round of IVF. So had that surgery in 2021. Um, Three months later, I was booked to go and see Jonathan Ramsey to do the, the test again and check that I, you know, had improved and, and whatnot. Yeah. And I remember joking to my partner, I'm very much one of these guys that likes to see the, the most optimal and optimistic way possible and try and be quite bright and vibrant. And I remember saying to her, you know, just weeks before this this test that I was booked to go in London have, 
Um, and I said, oh, wouldn't it be nice if I cancel this and we were pregnant, you know, kind of like tongue in cheek, you know, by this yeah. point, six years into try and we were both sort of like, no, nah, it's not going to happen, but we'll joke about it anyway. That was kind of how we dealt with it at the time. And um, I kid you not, um, the week before I was going to go to London, have this test. Um, Kate and I had our very, very first ever positive pregnancy test. Oh, my God. Nine months later, my little boy Oliver was born. So oh, um, an right. absolute miracle. Yeah, I'm still overwhelmed. You know, he's now six weeks old. Um, it's been a journey. It makes me feel really emotional just actually talking through that quite quickly. God, yeah. But what a ride. That's literally a fairy tale. It really is, yeah. Well, our kind yeah. of fairy tale, I suppose. <laughs> <Not the normal laughs> in our world. Um, it's amazing that... Um, that the test led to that and then the varicocele surgery and it's just that because because the reason I say that is because there's some so many people are kind of on the fence about whether or not varicocele should or should not be operated on yeah and the impact of it and to hear your story that that's a real kind of it's a real plus in the old take action camp isn't it yeah massive I mean that's the thing isn't it you know I think um like many couples I'm talking from from our story is we were kind of a bit of rubbing the headlights follow the process go to IVF and that's the the kind of cure that's what you need um mm. but the whole time that clinic was working with essentially dead sperm you know the the, mm. the, the the DNA inside it was never any good um and I remember when I first saw Jonathan Ramsey I felt a little bit apprehensive about actually is this even going to work um because why is it not being mentioned before and mm. I questioned that um and you know when I when I had my results back about my varicocele it was really severe and I just learned to cope with it throughout my life and I'm, I did have aches and pains and I did have the kind of obvious signs but I just did the guy yeah. thing and ignore it yeah. um, and pretty much through my IVF journey I pretty much ignored my emotions so you know I wasn't going to sit there and start you know picking <laughs> what was what the process was and yeah, yeah it's amazing how um how how badly that affected the DNA integrity of my sperm and the only way I can kind of describe it from listening to the professionals and trying to make it in the most layman terms possible the factory was too hot and therefore mm. the sperm was being made a bit bad so um yeah yeah a little bit of plumbing and you know made all the difference it's insane so is it worth mentioning here that you know we, we do as a kind of matter of routine we do semen tests on men but they're what they're looking at is literally the shape and how good they are at swimming right and yeah. how many of them there are. And how many of them there are. So when we talk about morphology, it's literally like, what do they look like? Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they no don't one ever lo- look inside. Yeah. No one looks at the, the DNA. To see the quality of the DNA, yeah. Well, they, they do if they do this test, but it's yeah. not routinely done on the NHS. Yeah, that's right. And and the thing is, I had um, through various of, you know, various of my um, my semen analysis, my morphology was always a slightly little bit low, um, right. you know, s- slightly suboptimal. But mm. I was always reassured that actually that's OK because the mm-hmm. rest of them are fine. Um, mm-hmm. So why would I question that? Mm-hmm. Um, but that was actually an indicator that that was part of the varicocele because of the higher temperature that I had um, because of the varicocele being present. That does affect morphology. And that's that's really an indicator. Um, and because um, I had then had that DNA test done, um, that flagged up, actually, it was really bad. Like, I, you know, I was on paper infertile, which is quite scary when I actually had semen. But yeah. Yeah. Um, you wouldn't think that I'd be then classed as infertile having looked at the DNA. It was quite scary. It was really, um, really emotional time, actually, to admit that that was the that was the thing after all that time. I'd watch my partner yeah. go through loads of, you know, the rounds of IVF. And yet we we didn't need it. Um yeah so much trauma in that and yeah yeah, to find out it was yeah not needed is is difficult but then Mm. 
Wow. Um, I want to ask you, I think lots of guys who might listen to this would be potentially scared of the process of um, the embolization because it doesn't sound like a heaps of fun. What was the process like? Do you know what? I'm I'm someone that um, watches someone have a blood test, let alone me have a blood test and I'll almost pass out. I get quite sque- squeamish with needles, not particularly mm. pleasant. Um, and do you know what? <laughs> when I went and saw um, Stephen and he reassured me of the process and stuff and I remember feeling so, so nervous before I laid on the theatre table. Um, once laid down and the procedure started, I was sat there chatting to the anaesthetist like what really? I was up to that weekend. Honestly, I was so chilled out. My heart rate was like 60 BPM. Um, <laughs> I was so chilled. And and actually, I just kind of watched on this screen in front of me the, and the surgeon, you know, kind of navigating his way around and doing his work. And I found it so fascinating. Yeah. Um, there was a tiny bit of discom- discomfort a couple of occasions when there was this solution put in just to help kind of set things in place. But genuinely, I had a paracetamol and that was it. I was, and then a couple really? hours later, I was out. Yeah, nice and simple. But I was bruised the next day. I felt pretty sore the next day. But like the process was, ah, there was nothing. So are you lying down in this situation or are you sitting up? Yeah, lying down, wide awake. Right. Um, and you can see on the screen kind of like this little, you know, this little instrument sort of navigating through your veins in your abdomen. Um, and then I've got, I think I've got like eight, um platinum i think they're platinum platinum or titanium um coral springs inside various wow. veins in my body and they'll be there for life i can't feel them um and they block those veins that were enlarged and that sorts my problem so it's it's um it's actually quite simple and it's wow. pain-free virtually and yeah a couple of days later i was you know mo- mobile enough to do my normal day-to-day um a couple of weeks later i was fit enough to go run again and yeah here i am so wow. amazing it is amazing. I um, one of the questions I was going to ask you is about um, the heat of being a racing car driver, right? Because you you race yeah. for a living. Yeah. Has that ever been mentioned as one of the potential reasons, or is that kind of it was just the varicocele and that's got nothing to do with your profession? Um, also, it's worth pointing out that this, this is the second time we've had a racing car driver on, or a racing no car driver's partner. Awesome. Um, come back to the question. Um, being with heat, it was of course it was talked about. Um, in my other job as well, I drive trains for a living, so I sit down a lot, and obviously that that can cause you know higher temperatures. Mm. Um, but I did lots of things to try and mitigate against it. I kind of used um cooling underwear as as much as I could. Um, and didn't have baths. Didn't do the obvious things. Didn't put my mobile phone in my pocket. Didn't use laptops mm. on my lap. You know those things. Um, because the time that I'm in a race car is quite a short space of time versus the rest of my life. So. Um, it wasn't really a fact that they were particularly concerned about, but um, okay. but it's very hot in a race car, I must admit. Um, yeah. sixty degrees is not uncommon. Oh my god! <laughs> did you sit in an ice pack? Um, yeah, I did. I did. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did all that. Um, and I'm not ashamed to say, you know, I think, and I th- you know, that's what I'm trying to, you know, trailblaze through. You know, my activity that I use motorsport to raise awareness for fertility mm. is, is I'm really, really trying to promote the fact that don't be ashamed, don't be embarrassed. It's mm. fine to talk about these things mm-hmm. because. Ultimately, those conversations I've had has led me to have a little boy, which is amazing. And that's changed my life. And if I was yeah. the closed book I was three years ago, I'd say now, maybe four years ago, before I started all this campaign, mm-hmm. um, I don't think I'd have found the answer, if I'm honest. What What made you open up? Um, Counselling and the charity. So right. um, what happened was when sort of we got to, I think it was the end of the first or second round of IVF, I hit a really bad low, like... I was in a bad way. I was looking at quitting my job. I was, I was really like, I'm, I'm done of life. Like I felt really low. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's because I kind of bottled up my emotions so I could take care of my partner. 
um, because she was low the whole time and I was just kind of like forgetting my emotions, just taking care of her. And then all of a sudden it all just came out from me. Um, and I didn't really talk to anyone. And when I went to the charity and I got some counseling and got some help, there was mm. conversations that I had with the counselor about if you thought about, you know, being open about and actually trying to find people that are also going through what you're going through, because at least you've got something to, to relate to as a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, I was actually going to my racetrack to which eventually got me to become a racing driver um, because that was where I escaped for an hour of the month, you know, while I went racing. Mm-hmm. And I remember talking to someone at the track and they had an, a child through IVF. And all of a sudden, this kind of weight was lifting off my shoulder that actually I was talking to someone about something that actually we'd both gone through. And all of a sudden there was this like yeah. neutral ground. So then I took the really, really scary move, um, which I don't actually know why I did it in the end, but I took a really scary move to... Um, go to the media and say look I'm about to become a racing driver and I'm supporting the charity and I really want to make a difference um, and BBC contacted me to do a piece on BBC Southeast News wow. um, and they said do you want to be interviewed and I was like oh, I almost said no and I was sat there mm. going oh do I don't I do I don't know and I did I did it and it was the scariest thing I've done um, but the minute I did I had a little bit of trolling which was inevitable yeah. but the response oh. I had was insanely great like my inbox filled with with guys from all across the country because it went to radio and it it, it just snowballed all this media campaign mm, snowballed mm-hmm. and and now I'm changing the lives of others and and actually I feel great about that um and so I just really want to champion it because if you get guys talking guys are more likely then to ask for tests that are not routinely available yeah. and then they might actually find out there's something that's curable and actually then they might have children so once I realized all those things that I could influence it was a no-brainer for me I kind of went for it so scary but good well done I think yeah when talking about it is so transformative yeah and you don't realize it's going to be that way like you know we very much did it because it was for ourselves to kind of have therapy (laughs) and yeah kind of from there you realize the impact that has on people hearing it do you think why do you think um guys struggle to talk about it so much is it because they can't imagine that the other people going through it are like them or they they kind of yeah is it a kind of ego thing yeah I think it's I think it quite it's quite a societal thing we often chat in the infertility support group that I, that I run and um, we often talk about this like why why don't guys talk and mm. why are we so closed when it comes to this sort of thing and I think it, it's I do think it's a societal thing um and also the process of fertility the guy gets isolated quite early on. Like mm. I remember so being, I remember being in one of the first consultations that I was with my partner talking about my sperm analysis, but it felt like I wasn't part of the conversation. Yeah. So, so straight away, you know, that I'm getting kind of almost removed in, from the situation and then it makes you feel quite isolated. And I think um, having a lot of people around me having children and seeing guys enjoy them, their, their children, which is lovely to see, you then get isolated from that. And and so all these kind of like blocks of isolation you get kind of eliminates you a little bit. And therefore, mm. why do you open up? What's the point? And that's how I felt. Mm. Um, yeah. And it and it was a massive step to actually go and, you know, be really open and vocal in the media. Um, mm-hmm. But that's exactly why I did it. Because I was like, if I don't do this, when I've got a really good opportunity to actually try and make a difference, then how many more guys out there are just going to stay quiet? And and since I've, I've launched all of my media campaigns and, and I've been so open, it's quite surprising actually how quickly male fertility has become on the radar by a lot of people. It seems it like a really big topic right now. So mm-hmm. um, I'd love to say I'm, I'm a little bit of a part of that. Of course, there's many other people that are very, very cool. 
but it's really great to see a shift and i think if we can keep that momentum going um you know more couples potentially can have children um because they'll get the answers they need so that's where yeah that's such a nice way of looking at it i don't i've not really looked at it like that before it's lovely thanks (laughs) thanks <laughs> but no it's, it's so important you know it's so important you know, it's, children are a massive life changer and if you yeah. can have them and if there is an answer for someone out there and if I can just help one couple or 10 or hundreds or whatever yeah. um you know that's just a little bit of a little bit back I can give to, to this community and you know yeah. make a difference so yeah I was so. quite surprised actually when um we were talking about it the other day that my husband said that um he spoke to a lot of people at work about it right which yeah. like really <laughs> surprised me um yeah but that was not, that was his outlet yeah and that's nice that he's had that um yeah and I think if you're in a place of work where that support and that conversation's available I think that's really great because you do spend a lot of time at work and if you can be open I'm sure it made his working relationships really strong and yeah. made him feel more comfortable about being at work I I in the early days was was kind of like in my in my other job um was not really open to talk to other guys because it was quite quite a male-dominated environment where yeah. I would I would hear conversations of oh I've got like I've I've honestly had this oh no she's pregnant again I've had conversations um, like that in the room so so then why would I then approach yeah. a conversation and go hey guys but wait um, if you're train <laughs> driving aren't yeah. you just in a cab by yourself no yeah we are day to day but we have um we have lobbies and obviously we, okay. we mix around with other crew and stuff so yeah. um you're often you're often with people out throughout the day but yeah so um but but even at my work the work that I've done has created a shift there and people have become yeah, more open and I've got guys now that I support at my work and oh, wow. it's lovely. It, honestly, it's so, it's just so nice just to, yeah. just to make a little difference, you know? So <clears throat> tell us what happens in the hymn fertility support sessions. Cause I think they are um, a great thing. And I've, you know, I always try and share it when I see that they're happening. Cause I think, you know, the more guys that can go to them, I think the better, obviously, because it, you know, as we've discussed, it's very difficult to get yeah. guys to open up. So what, what do you guys talk about? Um, do you know what? We talk about lots of different things, not always fertility. It's quite interesting, actually. Um, mm. We kind of, um, when we created the, the Him Fertility Support Group, and before it was Him Fertility, it was actually just Fertility Network UK Male Support Group. And obviously Rod Gilbert's campaign has adopted this this Him Fertility Support Group, and we host it with with Rod now, and he's okay. he's lovely. He's such a great guy. Um, but between myself, Ian Staines, and Rod, um, we've we pretty much create an environment that what we wanted from it was not some kind of really um, clinical counseling type session. We just wanted to create a, a place that guys can just log in. They can put their cameras on if they wish or not. They can put the microphones on or off if they wish. Mm. Um, but it's just a space that we can all come to have a chat. Um, and if anyone's got anything burning on their mind, they can talk about it and we can share our advice and our experiences. And occasionally we do get um, professional speakers to talk about, you know, particular male fertility topics. Yeah. Um, and we, genuinely, we talk everything about food, <laughs> what we're up to on the weekend, what I'm racing out in the next, you know, the next season, whatever, all the way right through to really complicated and difficult conversations around miscarriage and fertility issues. Um, and we cover a hell of a lot. And what used to be a 40 minute to an hour um sort of zoom chat on a on a wednesday night um now is nearly two hours long and and wow. we have a really good in-depth conversation and mm-hmm. we have we, we we laugh and say we just wing it and literally that's what we do we we turn mm-hmm. up on a on a night and introduce ourselves start talking a little bit about a fertility topic or what what i'm up to or whatever um before you know it, we're getting guys saying, oh, can I say something? I've got a little question about this. Okay, and yeah. then someone else ch- chips in of their, their, their you know, advice or what they've experienced and stuff. And 
we've had such a great response from it um that we've had guys that have since gone away and had their own treatment um and that they've they've fallen pregnant and had good success stories which is lovely um we've had we've got guys in there that are regulars that have adopted and gone down that channel and Mm -hmm. and thus they can offer some support um so it's really a big collective of guys now that that regularly come along so when um, a a guy comes for the very first time he's being welcomed by a bunch of guys that's gone through exactly what this guy's gone through Um, Mm. and we've all got that kind of almost it's like a bit of a brotherhood almost it's quite nice nice Um, that is nice but it's just a chilled environment so if anyone's listening and fancies joining um it really is just a cool space to hang out and um yeah chat for tilly brilliant how many people show up uh on average we get between 30 and 50 um so we do get quite a lot um and it's um it got to a point where it was really busy to manage the chat box gets really busy and uh, between the three of us we sort of we do wing it Um, and yeah 30 to 50 people um some nights we get a little bit less depending on you know sometimes on friday yeah Yeah. that, that happens but yeah we've got a good core of about 25 regulars that come yeah um that that offer their own sort of story and advice which is great brilliant um, yeah awesome you talked a little bit about feeling kind of sidelined through the process yeah and I was just wondering like if you kind of came up with any techniques to make to kind of force people to pay a bit more attention um I think being more vocal was was the the big take thing for me and mm-hmm. and I think there is be there is a shift actually in the professional sector and certainly the, the awareness work that's going on for male to right now is actually encouraging the professionals to be a bit more kind of sympathetic towards the guy um right. but yeah I mean in the latter part of my my treatment um I was a lot more vocal and that only came from the confidence I had from the counseling that I had yeah. mm-hmm. um so it was kind of like um you know it, it's not all the professional's fault it wasn't all my fault it's kind of a combination of the two so um that that helped a lot really and, yeah. and I think you know if you do ask questions they will answer them and they will treat you as part of the the equation but yeah, yeah. I, th- I think there's still some work to be done um yeah, but it all just yeah. comes down to making people aware that actually the guy is suffering too um it's it's very difficult um mm. going through fertility and you know when you when you decide as a couple to have a baby you both really want one right it's um yeah. it's a big yeah, emotional story yeah absolutely um do you want to tell us how, about how the racing's gone what how does it all work yeah that's that's a bit of a mad one so um if i rewind back to how i got into racing so yeah i said earlier on that i used to go to a local karting track but park and um, for an hour a month just to go racing just to escape from dealing from my headspace it was where i could let all my anger frustrations out in a in a really positive way mm. um and i remember competing up there in in a series thinking i'd be able to go and win um and i remember the first time i went i got my heart handed to me i was terrible <laughs> <laughs> um but i learned quickly and i was running at the top of a british championship and got voted as one of butmore's drivers of the year and, and it just escalated from from nowhere almost it, it was a really surreal thing um and a sponsor approached me and said, look, Tobes, have you thought about becoming a racing driver? And at the time I was 28 thinking, what's this guy talking about? You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm going for an absolute, you know, crazy life story at the moment of trying for a children. You know, I couldn't possibly consider looking at becoming a racing driver. So anyway, I went off to Brands Hatch and had a go in his race car just to sort of see him out. Um, he invited me to become a, a racing driver that year and have a go. Um, what kind of car was it? Sorry. So that was a Ginetta, um, okay. which is a kind of British made race car. Love. And so I took the opportunity up and um, Katie supported me better. She said, look, why don't we just take a year out? Um, this might be a really fun year. Um, and then in a year's time, we can go back to the fertility and, and we can go with the fresh head. And actually, yeah. it was a really good idea. Um, and so I then decided to then amalgamate that as um, as a 
fertility campaign and I call it racing for fertility. Um, I went to all of the commentators around the country. We race on ITV4 um, and I've got a big media presence down within motorsport. Um, so much so that we get mentions throughout the weekend where tens of thousands of fans are there and Amazing. people hear about my fertility story over the commentary and people come down to the paddock and see me and talk about fertility. And it's really special, actually, because we get oh, well guys come down to the paddock talking about fertility and mm. in the motorsport paddock, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. um, and then we sat 2020 out because of the pandemic. Um, and then last year, uh, we got a really good opportunity to race um, in, a, in a much bigger series. Um, and I became British champion and oh, wow. the hard work throughout the season. Um, I always said that if I become champion, that trophy is for every single person out there that is suffering from infertility. And I was going to do my absolute utmost to win that, that trophy, to hold it and raise it for all those couples suffering. And um, I was on IT4 racing at Silverstone and uh, I won the championship and I got crowned and I was in the race car absolutely bawling my eyes out because it just meant so much that I could finally yeah. lift that trophy for those couples and that's what it represented to me that's amazing. Um, and uh, yeah I became British champion and we're now looking at the next season which is coming up very soon and I've just become a Porsche racing driver so oh um, my oh my god yeah it's quite exciting and we're just now going to continue the campaign we've got various um, fertility awareness days where we're going to invite men that are going through fertility issues down to the track and have a go in a race car as a bit of an icebreaker. Um, I was going to say, I've seen yeah. you in group photos with guys on the racetrack. How yeah. Obviously, yeah. we can't go. Does one get involved? My husband might, might want to get involved. <laughs> yeah. so, we, so that's advertised through the charity. So we, we do host that event for Fertility Network UK and the Him Fertility Group. Um, and yeah, we, we're going to host various, various events across the year where we're just going to invite guys along um, bring some freshman speakers quite like how we do the him facility support group nights mm -hmm. just that we've got a race car and we can get oh out on the God. track and send some people around Brilliant. for some hot laps, but, um, yeah. I would like to say at this point that I have actually driven around Silverstone in have McLaren you? it was green nice that's it awesome was, I can't remember which show Emma it was so great I'm glad you had fun it's an awesome experience right I did oh 150 God, miles an hour and felt like a legend <laughs> that is legendary that's awesome <laughs> <laughs> um, my my question, Toby, is: do, Does that mean you get to drive a Porsche IRL as well? Guys, isn't it Porsche? Porsche, Porsche. Porsche? Yeah, I think Porsche? I think officially, I think it is Porsche, but I just say Porsche. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, so does everyone. But yeah, I just wanted exactly. to introduce some conflict. Why not? <laughs> Devil's advocate. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, do you get to drive a Porsche? Uh, so do, what in, daily? In, in daily real life. Yeah. Unfortunately, not. Um, but if I win. A particular championship then i can get the keys to one for a year oh, so yeah. um, of All course right. i'm gonna be working hard to try and get that <laughs> <laughs> of course yeah my day car's not quite as exciting um Toby, thank you so much for sharing all this with us. It's so interesting and i think you've done such an amazing job i think like as a final kind of question maybe could you what would you say to people that are listening to us now who if 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 there are guys listening, which we hope there are, yeah. um, what's your advice to them? Um, my top tip and best advice I can give to any any couple is get the guys tested. Um, good yeah. thorough testing for men is so mm. so important. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, pass the basic semen analysis. Go and have a an ultrasound. Um, serologist have a physical examination. Get a DNA fragmentation test done. Um. And then you've got a full picture of 
the male fertility side, just like your partner will have. Um, and until you've got a full picture, you can't really make a proper diagnosis of what you need. Um, and only until you've got those tests done, really, can you be sure exactly what's the correct treatment pathway. So I'm a massive advocate for that. And um, yeah, hopefully that's my that's my five cents worth. Um, just go get, awesome. get tested, guys. Get yeah. tested. Yeah. Massively. Yeah. Amazing. Well, look, Toby, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. And we'll see you on the track at some point. Yeah, you have to come down and watch some racing. It'd be awesome. Yeah, we'd love, love to. woman called Elise who is a insta tiktok famous embryologist wow i know she's amazing okay um so yeah she's um she's storming storming tiktok with her kind of behind the scenes like sneak peeks of what happens in in, in a clinic in an embryologist's life i i missed this interview and i'm actually really gutted really interesting it's so interesting yeah well elise is on tiktok mate just get on tiktok and you can watch her videos or instagram um they're very good they're very interesting like lots of kind of up up close footage of what's happening like what kind of tools they use like what does the embryo go on the little wand thing it's really cool oh very interesting okay anyway that's next week yeah um and yeah see you next week see you next week guys Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.